Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of the DCVC podcast. I'm your host Akash Bhatt and today we're going to speak to Venk Krishnan, the CEO of New Air and New Ventures. He's one of the first operator VCs we're having on the podcast and I'm super excited about it. But before we head into the episode, let me give a quick shout out to two startups in our DC Startups of the Week segment. First up, we have Burncal. India's first AI-based home fitness trainer that can see and guide users to provide real-time feedback on their poses and reps. Burncal is redefining home workouts and if you're interested in getting in shape for the new year, then this is the perfect time to get started. Learn more about Burncal on burncal.fit. That's b u r n c a l.fit. The second start of vacation today is Cubeblocks. Cubeblocks is a distributed computing company building affordable supercomputers for high performance computing applications like ML model training, running simulations, big data analytics or creating the next deep fake. Learn more by visiting cubeblocks.cloud. That's q b l o c k s.cloud. Now on to this week's episode, one that we've all been waiting for. I'm delighted to share this episode with Venk Krishnan. Venk is someone who has had a great career launching multiple startups and running teams globally, first with Newair, and now he's on a mission to help startups follow his footsteps. New Ventures is a Bangalore-based VC firm investing in early-stage startups, and they've built a great portfolio of mature and early-stage companies, and we talk about everything from portfolio construction to the operator VC model and the transition from his days at angel investing to him being now a full-time VC in India. Let's head in and listen to Wink and his journey as a venture capitalist. Welcome to the podcast, Wink. It's a pleasure to have you with me today. I've mostly begun the last 15 episodes uh, of this podcast by asking a very simple question and every time I have asked this I've received a very different response which to me is very interesting in the context of COVID so I'm going to put the same thing across to you as well how are you and how the last six to eight months been for you both at the fund and personally and what kind of insights have you received from speaking to your portfolio startups as well as the other colleagues in the industry as such so um, obviously you would have heard this is an unprecedented times. You know, people haven't uh, witnessed something like this. Uh, many of many people, especially the younger generation, hasn't witnessed something like this uh, ever. Uh, but uh, you know, to be fortunate, uh, I don't know if we call it fortunate. You know, I was part of the dot com boom and bust in uh, in the US. Uh, I was, um, uh, you know, part of the September 11th, which happened, and I was there how my own business tumbled around that time uh, in the U.S. to a large extent. I lost a lot of customers around the 2000-2001 time frame. So I had, uh, you know, when COVID happened, to an extent, I felt that, you know, this should, this too should pass, right? You know, in, in the long term, you know, uh, people who are tough will will wither all these right so uh, some of the uh, some of the first things which came to my mind uh, at that time uh, i would say like march uh, the last week of march when the lockdown started uh, uh, first thing which i thought was uh, working from home right and in fact i run another enterprise called newet which is uh, mostly in the financial services kind of space uh, which i founded and i have over 350 people in India and about 50 people in the US, right? So, which is the one which is which is my bread and butter, uh, which I which I founded in 1994 in the US. So, um, the first thing which I I came is so I have kept New Ventures and New Newware as two separate entities, even though New Ventures is more of a brand than in than an organization like a VC fund because I wanted to have a brand to invest from right so the first thing which came to my mind is you know how do i was really skeptical at that time will this work because we hadn't had such a scenario where everybody works from home 
And we were doing some mission critical support for some of the big, large financial firms in the US uh, and which required a lot of touch and feel. Uh, and the clients, because of data security and others, they would never allow us to work from home in India, even though they used to allow that in the US. Right? So, but this was something which they had no choice. So, and I was very skeptical, you know, I was very concerned, but, uh, but I, I figured out that, you know, uh, keeping employee engaged is very critical. Uh, figure out a way to communicate more to the employees. So we used to have these daily calls, you know, maybe twice a day calls with uh, both the new venture side, the new air side and the portfolio side. Uh, and really think about what are the different scenarios which we should address um, uh, from a portfolio side, what are the different funding for scenarios for the portfolio, which we have, we have a portfolio uh, personally uh, between me and Suba, which I can talk to you later about, about 26 companies we have invested in. Uh, and how do we go about this crisis? Uh, because at the end of the day, you, have, you would have heard it, hope is not a strategy, right? We can hope that things will get better, but that's not a strategy. So, uh, you know, keep ahead of the curve, uh, you know, get the leadership team to be aligned with what's happening, get the, uh, communicate more to the customers. Uh, and within a period of two to three months, I figured out that, you know, things could be worked out, you know, and uh, things will, uh, you know, e even though this could be a long drawn crisis, I think as long as we are able to deliver to our customers, um, because most of my customers are in the US, uh, we, as long as we can deliver to the customer's satisfaction, we should be okay. So that is, uh, that is what happened around the end of September, around the end of March. Uh, and I had, I had to over communicate to my people and on the portfolio side, I used to, uh, have a team of two people who work for me on the portfolio side. Uh, I would have regular calls with my portfolio companies, especially the younger ones, especially the ones where I have been an angel or maybe two, three people are in the angel, uh, round. And uh, we used to communicate with them. We used to find out what their problems are. Obviously everybody were kind of stuck saying, you know, what do we do? You know, would we get other funding? You know, so I, I just kept them, you know, motivated as much as we could. I say, conserve cash, you know, don't spend too much, you know, things will get better, you know, those kind of stuff. So I think uh, in the long, in, in, the, in the period which we are today from then, I think we are in a much better scenario than we were way back then. That's wonderful to hear. Now you've mentioned a couple of things in that segment, which I want to touch upon. One mm -hmm. is running both a company yourself, which is present in the US and in India and running a mm -hmm. fund on the side. Now that's a very interesting yeah. model because we've been seeing this whole operator VC structure that's on the rise throughout the globe. I want to first ask you, what's the biggest challenge in doing both and holding two different roles, which are equally important at the same time, because you have stakeholders on both sides of the equation. How, yeah. how difficult yeah. is, is it to like run this sort of a, a, a structure? Could you share some insights upon the DP yeah. as well yeah. as some of the things that you might've faced in the last few months? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, I wouldn't think it is very tough because it depends on the kind of leadership team you have. Right. Fortunately, on my on the uh, on my company in US side, we had a very good leadership team, which I had developed over a period of 15, 20 years. Right. So I used to, um, you know, my involvement was more in crisis strategy uh, because I was not as involved in execution. Customer relationships uh, was very important, which I was very uh, which I in fact. I would say 90% of our customers in the US are relationships which I have built. Um, you know, we are like a boutique kind of company. We are not a, um, you know, huge company. And we, we had always kept it that way, but we had a very good leadership team that allowed me time to do other things, right? And uh, I used to delegate a lot, which is, which is something which I used to do. And they used to come to me when they have problems in terms of, you know, customer, not responding or, uh, you know, customers complaints, you know, those are issues where I used to get involved and then strategy from a sales perspective, where do we sell? What, what other areas should we sell? So those are the things. So having a good leadership team or the second level team is very important, which we had uh, luckily. 
and then on the the venture side was more of something which i am very passionate about and i wanted to spend a lot of time uh because you know that is something i had always uh, desired uh and uh, maybe we'll get we'll segue into that how i started this but you know it's very interesting uh to meet young founders to meet uh, people with passion people looking at doing different things so i found it very interesting and uh, you know and i could help them with some decisions help them with some strategy uh you know so those were things which i and i will i'm very gung ho about india i'm very positive about the indian landscape in terms of the startups so i wanted to be part of that and i wanted to see if i could help develop something within india uh, even though i keep saying this you know even today i would say that that india is way way far away from the silicon valley kind of enterprises which you find here uh, but i think it is getting there i would say more today than um than about a year back where i would say that the initially i used to have this thing of you know we are all a copycat kind of mentality in india in terms of copying things from the us but i think that has slowly evolved and changed and we are now coming up with original problems which are india centric problems and we are trying to solve them so i think we are evolved but we still have a long way to go now i agree with the latter part of that uh, answer there now what i was really trying to get to with the dual role that you kind of hone at this point mm-hmm. is that you know how easy is it for you to be both an entrepreneur oh. as well as a vc because uh, skills of being a good vc are not the same as being a good founder even though the founders have a huge leg up in the learnings of those skills for example vc right. is the art of multitasking supporting and picking up none of its skills are inherently is is not none of the skills that you inherently develop as a founder because you are by definition focused on a single company which is your 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 firm right yeah yeah so what is the most important thing that you think kind of correlates to both jobs that you hold and how easy or difficult is it to do it simultaneously yeah i i think i have not found it challenging to be honest with you i have found it that um uh, obviously it's a challenge to divide time between both areas but i feel and i and this may be my opinion a good entrepreneur makes a good vc right i believe that even though there can be a debate on that you know the jury is still out on that but i feel that good entrepreneurs who have done been there done that who have raised funds uh, on their own who uh, understand the uh, understand the founders much more than being a pure uh, you know financial vc right so i i find it that i'm learning a lot from both sides i find that my learnings from my company and in fact i have founded two other companies one of them was very good one of them had to be closed down so i learned a lot and i think the learnings from those have helped me and i think even today i don't find it as challenging uh, maybe because of the i i had mentioned about having a good leadership team uh, and and but at the end of the day you need to spend your time where your passion is and uh, you know i spend more time with the with the fund uh, i spend more time and less time with the uh, with my company because i i feel that this i can add more value in the the later right but i don't think it's a challenge and i have found it that it has somehow worked out for me uh, in terms of dividing my time obviously okay. you know travel travel is something which we used to do a lot you know but the thing which helped me in the travel is i come to the us i come to new york meet with other vcs who i know so get an idea how they operate you know see how so i there's a lot of learnings which i was privy to uh, because of running this uh, the other company too well you've clearly nailed the dual role really well in being both an operator and a vc at the same time so right. we obviously know how advantageous it is to be uh, a founder when you're a vc because you can rely a lot on that experience you can have founder empathy and all of the things that kind of helps you as a vc right now i want to flip mm-hmm. that question a little bit and ask you how does the vc job help you be an entrepreneur help you be a leader in your company how does that job really translate to what you're doing with uh, with your firm okay no it is um, you know being a vc you really understand the uh, the challenges which a uh, which a founder 
as a founder you come in right you know you have to hiring decisions are there you know whom do you hire uh, you know uh, so from a from a vc's perspective sometimes people invest money and then they are involved in various aspects of the company you know it could be recruitment it could be strategy it could be relationships right so i think uh, when i wear the vc hat uh, or an angel investor hat i think my uh, my uh, uh, how do you turn this uh, you know my instinct are because i have been entrepreneur i look at it from a different angle right so i don't know if i can really uh, put a handle on that but uh, i be, me being an entrepreneur or having founded multiple companies has helped me in the vc role but i don't know if i can really put a finger on saying how much of the vc has helped me as an entrepreneur i i can't i i i am not able to articulate that as as well no of course i mean one of the things i was hoping to uh, understand through the whole process is you know having the opportunity to speak to a lot of founders having the opportunity to speak to other vcs within the industry what they're really looking into i was trying mm-hmm. to understand if you as a leader at newware were able to understand markets better especially in terms of you launching maybe newer services or products is there an opportunity for you uh, on 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 the uh, on the company side to really work with some early stage cutting edge companies and bring them into your portfolio of uh, offerings you can perhaps have ex- your existing products and maybe you can uh, bundle uh, different services together and offer to your clients on a different basis that was kind of like what i was hoping to 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 see yeah no i i basis. i think that's a very very pertinent question you are asking right but but let me tell you see there's two industries the industry which my company is um uh, is more of a services kind of industry whereas where i invest in mostly are either in the b to c kind of because that's where the indian market was right mm-hmm. indian uh, you know other than one or two companies including mu sigma which i can uh, talk about where which was purely in the data analytics service service space but most of the companies which we found in india and where companies either in the b2b or b2c space mostly mostly uh, focused on the india market to a large extent right now there is a shift towards saas which is going after the global market but the the advantage i had in many instances was to be able to understand the challenges which some of these founders were finding in terms of customer relationships how do you how do you make how do you make sure that the customer is uh, delighted with the services you are offering or the products you are offering right so i i think i i may have been a bit biased towards uh, the entrepreneurship uh, kind of thing but the industries are so different right in in terms of where i've invested and where uh, where my company is right uh so i haven't had that much of a um, thing in in fact in in a couple of employee meetings with my company people have asked me that they said you know how are we going to benefit you know you're you're investing in all these companies how are we going to benefit right so the answer to them is i don't think you're going to benefit unless we find some complementary products which we can sell through newware right unless there's a saas product which newware can go and make it you know go and sell it to the customers in the right. us because all our customers in the us are all, are in the us we don't do any business in india uh, for various reasons have uh, you know so we have about say 40 customers all of them are in the east coast new york philadelphia uh, connecticut you know in that that area so uh, we haven't had a, a synergy in terms of the investment i do and what i am uh, what what new web provides now it's a great point that you made uh, it really is something a lot of uh, operator vcs think about from time to time i've spoken to a bunch of them and i've really asked this question how does it how does your vc job or your investing job really affect and help your day to day as an entrepreneur and it's very really interesting to find some of these answers every time i speak to different yeah, sets yeah, of these yeah. uh, uh, operator vcs now that that actually is a good segue into your background because we touched upon it a little bit in bits and pieces <clears throat> but i'd like to understand you know what was your road to venture capital you know what led you right. here and what continues to motivate you on a day to day basis could you take us through your journey yeah, yeah. as a vc yeah 
Yeah, so see, I I I went to the US uh, in 1990s, early 90s. I um, you know I went to actually do my masters from an NYIT, but it so happened that uh, you know I happened to run into this Italian guy um, in uh, New York, Manhattan. You know, and it so happened that he was uh, running a company which was mainly in the trading business. You know, he was creating software for trading. Right. So one thing led to another, and he was he was a he had his own company. So he told me, "Why don't you come work for me? You know, I can help you. You can do your part time. You can do your education. You know." So one thing led to another. I started working for him, uh, developing a state of the art trading system, uh, equity trading system. In those days, uh, this was in maybe the ninety early nineties, and um, so I was so. Uh, enamored by the the software, what he was developing, and how they go about developing software. Because I used to work in a company called Vipro and ORG Systems in India before I went to US. So I was really, uh, and it was a company of four or five people, right? So we used to work around the clock, you know, do testing, do our own development, you know. And Sybase was one of the technologies we were using. So it so happened that that I learned a lot from this guy. You know, he used to be a he, he used to be, uh, you know, I don't know how they call it. You know, he used to make you work around the clock. We used to burn a lot of midnight oils to just make sure that the product is ready in time because he was a very small company and he was putting his own money to develop the software. And it so happened that, you know, it came out and it, it did wonderful. Pretty soon the company uh, grew. So I, I worked there for, for the initial portion of my time. Then I left that and I, I couldn't complete my uh, the education which I started, you know, and then I went and worked for another company which was uh, as a manager of software development in that company called Ram Mobile Data, which was uh, part of Bell South uh, in New Jersey. So there I led a team of four to five people, uh, you know, to develop some software on the on the telecom side, right? So I learned a lot there, uh, how to lead people. Uh, then from there I joined uh, JP Morgan, in Wall Street, I, I still remember 60 Wall Street, and uh, they were paying a lot of money to me, and uh, you know, uh, and I, I was part of the emerging markets group there. And then, you know, that is when the bug to start something on my own hit me, and I had some relationships in New York. I got introduced to uh, Parak Saxena of Invesco through somebody, and. I didn't expect to get any funding. I just wanted to talk to him. So I got introduced to him through another gentleman who was running a startup. You know, go there. I was surprised. I didn't. I I was thinking maybe you know I will get his advice. He said he calls me and says, "Venk, I'll give you three million dollars. Do you want to uh, take this to the next level?" Right. So that is my first foray into uh, venture capital-based uh, uh, investment. So he invested three million. The company grew, but I, I couldn't do the thing you were asking about doing running justice to both the jobs of running two companies. So I got in a professional CEO, I became the chairman. Uh, so we ran the company, eventually that company was called GovXL that got acquired by another software company for, and uh, we got an exit. So that being said, so that is when I, I saw that uh, even with newware, we were finding it difficult because I didn't want to get into this game of, you know, in the US of putting bodies in companies and, you know, trying to, you know, do that. So I wanted to figure out a model where I can get a more sticky business in the company. So that's when the, the, the offshore story started. And it so happened, and I don't know how it happened. I met Prashant Prakash. Have you heard of him? He's, the, he's a partner at Axel. He was running a company called Netcraft in Bangalore. Uh, so we just met in New Jersey. I know somebody introduced us. So I, I immediately liked Prashant. He was a very good entrepreneur, aggressive. Uh, and I thought, you know, I could learn the, uh, you know, how do we run an offshore unit? I could learn from him. So I, I spoke to him. We had lunch and I said, why not I invest in a craft? Uh, and, uh, and then I learned the ropes of, uh, you know, offshore with an idea that eventually I will branch out on my own, right? So, so Prashant was my first investment in, uh, in India. That was my first uh, angel investment of half a million dollars. 
but that was more of a synergistic investment between newer and uh, uh, netcraft and one thing like to another net netcraft got acquired and i came out and started the offshore that was in 2006 and it so happened that around the same time you know again i i am always a believer in being in the right place you know i wherever i am is because of being in the right place at the right time i met uh, at a conference the thai global thai conference uh, around that time i met deeraj uh, um, rajaram of uh, musigma and deeraj was basically um, you know had this idea of data and i i felt that time that this is a pioneering idea you know he's a pioneer in this space he was talking about data analytics in the early 2005 2000 end of 2004 2005 he was talking about data analytics he was saying how data could be the new oil uh, he didn't say that but i'm saying he was saying that we can do a lot of things with data you know in terms of uh, extrapolating stuff and figuring out how data so he was uh, and i was really impressed with the passion with which deeraj was selling the idea and deeraj also wanted to get introduced to some of my contacts in fact one of the contacts which i always talk about is uh, a person by a gentleman by name bill campbell who is uh, who used to be the former ceo of uh, chairman of visa he was he was ceo of bank one you know he invested in gavexcel in my company when paragad invested so i knew him very well so deeraj said you know i want some of your contacts you know can you help me because you are just starting off so i told deeraj you know i will i will introduce you to my contact but i want to invest first right so i invested in deeraj in fact i i i don't mind saying this i invested maybe 25000 which grew into millions of dollars because deeraj took it to the next level pretty quickly and in fact me uh, i invested in the us it so happened that prashant subrato and others uh, independently they are in india uh, they they had started a uh, they had started a small fund called erasmic fund in in bangalore uh, and independently they also met uh, deeraj uh, and they invested i invested it was all independently we, we didn't know each other and suddenly we realized both of us had invested in in um, sigma and uh, one thing led to another uh, then prashant uh, so we invested in uh, musigma i got bill campbell to invest in uh, musigma uh, ashish gupta uh, of helion he was part of that I, i actually want to um, uh, interrupt you here and uh, ask you a couple of questions about this deal with musigma which is very interesting yeah. to me because you were at this tai conference and then you met him and then a lot of things really came together and you know today it's a billion dollar company everybody knows musicma mm-hmm. it's one of india's most recognized companies out there now when mm-hmm. you met deeraj outside of the passion what mm-hmm. made you attracted to the business model what about it at that early stage really stood out to you and how did you evaluate that when you were you know you probably hadn't even gotten into the whole investing field uh, full time so how absolutely. did you evaluate it so because it was early days right so you didn't have a structure right. in place you hadn't got absolutely yeah. so no what... i i think a uh, good good question uh that's a good question because i think i went by the passion of deeraj right the way deeraj was talking about data right and the way he was talking about how you know uh, in a walmart or a kmart in those days right you can the the product placement is very important right so when you come into the when you when you come into the shop what do you what do you want to see as soon as you enter right do you want to see uh, game software or do you want to see you know consumable goods what are the things which is and this he felt can be uh, can be arrived at using data right doing analysis of data saying you know based on people's movement based on you know people buying patterns you know and this is all data so the way he explained to us and i do vividly remember him explaining to us about you know the paints you know the car you know the paints of uh, when you uh, when somebody wants to buy a car which which ca- color cars are are uh, are purchased more right you know and those are those things can be arrived at using past buying patterns right so the way he explained to me the concept i was really intrigued and i was saying oh, this guy this guy is really passionate and he, and deeraj is a one passionate guy you can see it when he sells 
In fact, I would I would uh, stick my neck out and say Deeraj is uh, the singular salesman I've ever seen who can sell anything, right? Uh, uh, because he he had so much passion in and you know if you look back at 2005 2006, the data analytics was not a field which was out there, right? People used to talk about it, but nobody had started something just purely a BPO kind of approach, but focusing on data, right? How can you analyze data? How can you look at patterns of data, right? Which today we call AI and you know all those kind of stuff, but think about it in those days. So the way he explained to me really made me feel, in fact, I regret not putting more money into it, into it right? But uh, not regret in the wrong way, but I'm saying I was so impressed with him, right? Because for him to take, for me to take him in front of Bill Campbell, who is very difficult to get, you know, he's the chairman of the board of many companies. I had to be convinced that this is something which uh, people would like, right? Because if I take the wrong guy in front of him, you know, Bill will say, you know what, I'm not interested and I, I lose that opportunity to be his, uh, to be his, uh, to keep the relationship. So I think if you ask me what made me, one was a passion with which Deeraj was selling it to me. And also the fact that there is a scalable model which we could see at that time, if, uh, if that answers your question. No, it definitely does. I mean, it's a great segue into trying to understand how that first investment kind of led you into developing your own thesis. Yeah, and I think Prashant is another person whom I, I feel mm -hmm. who really impressed me as an, uh, as an entrepreneur. You know, Prashant was the first, my first investment, but, you know, he went into bigger things. He did a lot of other things uh, than Deeraj. So these are the two people whom I was really impressed to get into this field. Interesting. And what kind of learnings have you gathered from the people that you've surrounded yourselves with? Because again, going back to the initial question of you, sounds like you kind of became an accidental VC like most people uh, who've been on the podcast Absolutely. have. You know, so I'd like to understand two things. First, how did you surround yourself with the right kind of people? And what kind of insights did they first share with you? And second, how did that really help you get some more clarity that at some point you wanted to set up a fund? Right. Good, good question. No, obviously, you know, I met a lot of good people around that time because it's a viral effect. You meet one good person, you seem to, you somehow have the thing because Deeraj introduced me to other people. I do remember, uh, or Prashant introduced me to other people. So I think, um, you know, good people attract good people, right? Uh, and good people uh, who are passionate about what they do is uh, is something which helps the um, you know helps us in terms of investment and those kind of stuff so but i think uh, if you ask me uh, you know uh, maybe it's by chance maybe it's out of luck but i felt that uh, at that time that uh, there was a lot of talk about the indian vc uh, there is no there's no VC concept in India around that time, 2003, 2004, you know, and India was emerging uh, as, a, as a name across the world. Um, so I felt that this was the time to uh, be involved in an in a, uh, ecosystem, which we are, we were, some of us can be pioneers. And it so happened that Prashant and Subrato, their first foray at that time, they started this uh, angel fund called, uh, I don't call it angel fund, it was a real fund for a $10 million fund called Erasmic Venture Fund. And uh, they, 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 I think, I don't know if I'm right, but I think they were one of the first to start uh, a fund in India, right? Which is, uh, and I was part of it. I put money into that just because of Prashant and Subrato and others. I just said that this guy can do it, right? So, you know, I also invested, we had about maybe 30, 40 investors in that including Ashish, including a lot of us. And we put, I put in and, and I learned a lot from these two, Prashant and Subhadu, because they used to come and present the companies to the to all of us on a regular basis saying, these are the companies we are investing. They didn't have a IC kind of thing, but they were saying, you know, these are the companies we are looking at. And they, they were the, one of the first to find Mintra, which they invested in. Um, and there were a lot of other companies which they invested within that $10 million fund, right? So I learned a lot from them too, 
but if you if you look at the history prashant and subratos uh, you know were acquired or not acquired they became part of axel in india and then they invested in flipkarts of the world and they they were the first uh people to get a real exit in india which was the, the seminal moment in india was the flipkart's acquisition of uh, the walmart's ac- acquisition of uh, flipkart right so and if you read the the, the book by uh, dalal about the flipkart and you can see there how subrato and others how they helped them to get to the level where they were in right so i think for me a journey has been a lot of learnings uh and a uh, lot of me uh, and a lot of instances of meeting the right people at the right time uh and i don't know i i can call myself very lucky to do that and uh, even the mayor incident i i told you about was uh, was something which was luck for for us to see you know where we go when we went even meeting prashant and others so would it be fair for me to classify that your initial investing experience had to do a whole lot of shadowing from the people that you found to be absolutely very great investors absolutely. and who had invested in the likes of flipkart and some of the big companies uh, or companies that went on to become uh, unicorns in the country absolutely i i would i would fully agree with that perfect now that actually leads me to an interesting sort of um, a segment where i'd like to understand the in the thesis that you have at new ventures now you obviously been investing across the spectrum but there are a couple of uh, sectors that <clears throat> obviously been active in in the last few years how did that thesis first come into place and two okay what's the evolution been since the first investment that you made to where you are today oh okay so that's uh, that's very interesting question the the thing i would say is i learned a lot from the uh, prashant and the subratul of the world obviously and um, the thing which uh, i was always clear about is i want to find entrepreneurs who have passion right my passion has been my biggest word and i think many vcs would say that right irrespective of what sector they are in if they are passionate and if they have that never give up attitude right and you can make out when you meet an entrepreneur if he's really passionate about it he's really solving a problem does he believe in that thing that he can solve it right so if if i see that in their eyes if they see that you know they are really passionate even if they fail in that idea can they pivot the idea can they get into something else right because an entrepreneur is always an entrepreneur that's my belief right but there are a lot of entrepreneurs who are in it for the wrong reasons you know just to make a quick buck um you know but i find that in in fact in when i started investing there was million there are, i would say million is too big a word but lot of companies just a copycat of the models which were there in the us and europe right uh, and even in the last maybe i would say two years back that was the that was the thing you know this is worked in us can i take this and make it work in india right uh, but i think that is slowly changing where you know we are getting into more of a global market kind of thing we are getting into like the likes of the sohos of the world and the freshworks of the world they are changing the whole concept in india and where you know uh, we are we are uh, really creating lot of products of value to a global customer so i think that if you ask me my thesis has always been people right and i think some cases i have been successful and there are many cases where i have failed in terms of identifying the people now if you look at my portfolio today right we have we do not have a fixed thesis i have invested in a beer company i have invested in a coffee company i have invested in b2c i have invested in d2c i have invested in various areas because for me it is sector agnostic to a large extent but there should be a scale there should be a market for what what we look at right so uh, and i think uh, uh, you know and you know there are some people who have a clear thesis that this is the way they will invest in that is good you know and that's why most many of these vc firms have a thesis they go after a, a set of areas where they want to invest in because they build expertise in that for me it has been learning from the people who might invest as well as you know figuring out if this founder or group of founders have the wherewithal to stay the course uh you know and go ups and downs you know failures are going to be part of it 
and and when i invest i the, one of the things i did want to say is i had an opportunity to join one of the vc firms around the 2007 area when i came back to india and i decide, i had an opportunity but i said you know what i don't want to join a vc firm because you know i am i am subjected to their their set of rules and i i am i have to um, report into somebody give them reports you know can i invest my own money because i have been fortunate to make some money so i put in a, a, a lump sum of about 5 million dollars and said let me start the worst that can happen is maybe i lose a 5 million dollars but at least i have tried something on my own it has worked or it may not work so it's really interesting yeah. for me uh, especially when you talk about the kind of evolution that you have had in terms of the thesis that you have developed internally and that really brings me to like you know dig a little more deeper and one of the things that i want to ask you is you didn't mention that you have everything from uh, an alcohol brand to everything in the enterprise space as well how mm-hmm. do you in terms of speaking to your lps or i do know that you put a lot of your personal money as well in the initial days into the startups how do you justify these different businesses because your let's say your key competency as 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 a founder was in the enterprise space was in the services space so you understood those markets really really well how did you learn to understand um say for example the consumer or the fmcg space what where did that interest come from was it somebody tapping you on the shoulder and saying hey this is a great opportunity opportunity that you should be looking into or was it a, was it something that you've always somehow at the back of your head thought about saying hey i would probably want to get get into this and the right opportunity came along therefore you interested how did that evolution happen like let's take the okay. the beer brand as an example to uh, okay good good question actually i wanted to i wanted to segue there uh, into the beer brand see the this is again a classic example of um, you know how i have invested and how i have evolved right um uh, by the way i don't have a i don't have a it's not a fund where i have to report into an lp because that is uh, that is something consciously i didn't want to do even though i had couple of opportunities to raise about 30 40 million dollar fund with the contacts i had or the relationships i had but because i didn't want to be responsible for somebody else's money at that stage maybe today i may change but uh, so that is one thing i used to invest my own money and i had a partner called subarao uh who also wanted to put his own money into it and he uh he used to be running actis which is one of the biggest uh, private equity firm in the world he used to be heading them in india so very experienced guy so i learned a lot from suba in terms of investing you know how we how because he was an investor in netcraft uh where i i met him right so he was kind of we both started this together that being said uh segue into geist beer is you know i don't know how i met uh, narayan narayan was introduced to me uh, and this gentleman he moved back from the us to india but he's very passionate about beer he used to he used to brew his own beer in his in his uh, garage in new, in new jersey right so it so happened i met him and uh, you know a couple of conversations i felt that this guy is really passionate about beer about craft beer not the regular beer he knows he knows the ins and outs of brewing beer right and he he talked to me about you know how he wants to create this brand in india which was um uh, which was unique you know there's no nobody like that in india which could they, he didn't want to sell the regular kind of beer in cans and he wanted to he had this concept of growlers uh where you know maybe it's a uh, he, he will he will send these growlers to people's homes you know fresh beer so there's no preservatives nothing it's fresh off the of the uh of the factory and it goes to the people uh, it, it's delivered right so that is the idea behind geist and i really felt that narayan had this passion and he wanted to do the things the right way in india uh, he wanted to approach it in a very ethical manner because you know when whenever government regulations are involved there are a lot of things which you know people are concerned about but he had this passion of uh, of starting a company in fact he had started a small portion of guys when i met him and he he wanted to get a factory and start so i was i was really impressed with narayan that somebody somebody here and he and the best part is he used to be he held about he held about 6 or 7 patents in 
in Intel. He used to work in Intel in uh, US, right? Despite that, he wanted to be in beer. He wanted to brew beer, right? So I was really impressed with him. So what I did was when I found this guy, I introduced him to all the people I knew in Bangalore ecosystem. I introduced him to Prashant. I introduced him to other people. And uh, I introduced him to Apramaya. I introduced him to Chris Kopalkrishnan, who is uh, incidentally my cousin. Uh, so, uh, so everybody felt the same way about this guy that he is, he's somebody who can really, if, if somebody had to be successful in this business, it is, it is Narayan, right? So that is how we invested in Geist. Uh, so, uh, then if, if I, if I get into a similar vein, if I look at third wave coffee, uh, you know, uh, behind my office in Indranagar, uh, I don't know if you know Bangalore as much, but behind my office is the, um, is the third wave outlet, uh, and I went there. I was really impressed with the with the environment, with the vibe of people, young young people sitting there having coffee, right? It's a little bit like Starbucks in the U.S. because Starbucks in India is much more, a little bit more elitist than what it is in uh, India. And I could see these young people sitting around their table, you know, start discussing startups, you know, and in the in the in the meantime, they're also ordering coffee, right? So I was really impressed with the brand, Third Wave, and he had already built three, four, uh, this group of three guys who had returned back from the US. They had started Third Wave Coffee. So I was really impressed when I met them. And then I said, I wanted to invest. So that is how Third Wave happened. So if you look at some of my investments, as has been based on people's passion. And I believe very strongly that, you know, if people are very passionate about what they do, and people can and have that attitude of you know we will make it successful you know they can be successful i love that i love that story it's been uh, really sort of insightful to share how a bunch of different uh, deals come together and how you have yeah. evolved both as an investor as well as somebody who tries to understand different markets as such and right. you know that brings me to an interesting question now, between all of the investments that you've made and the thesis that you've had and the evolution that, you know, it's come, it, that, that, that's come about over the years, what, are, you, are you ever, you know, tempted to break away from some of these uh, initial sort of uh, hunches that you've had or, or thesis that you've had and take a look at something that's very different, very new under the sun uh, because it's something that nobody else has perhaps looked at or it's exciting to you on so many different levels. Has that ever happened to you that you looked at a company and be like, okay, this is, nobody's doing this. I should probably do it. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, that's a very, very apt question you're asking me and it has happened. It's happened uh, off late. You know, it has happened in the last, uh, uh, you know, maybe past three, four months. Uh, uh, and I'm not able to reveal the company yet uh, because, you know, we want to, we are in stealth mode at this stage, but there is an interesting company which is going after a wholly different market, right? And I met this gentleman again, like uh, Narayan, I was introduced to him uh, through somebody, I met him, he's, in a, he's a bit more elderly, he's of my age group in the 50s. So it's a very interesting concept, I believe that that could be a huge opportunity in India and the global world. So I am, I am very open to new ideas, I'm very open to new things. In fact, I hate to see uh, the, the copycat mentality, uh, which was there, but I think it is becoming less and less and uh, which was there, which I think any ecosystem will go through that because in the initial stages, you know, what has worked in a developed market, can it work in India, right? So, but I think there are at least, there's one company which uh, maybe I'll reveal in maybe next two, three months, which I've got a set of investors to join me. Uh, we have put in some small money just to see the market, see if there's a market fit. Uh, and if that works, that will be a huge opportunity. That's fantastic to hear. Now, I want to move to the next segment uh, and try to understand and draw some parallels between the initial days of your investing experience to where you are right now. Talk to us mm -hmm. about, you know, your experience as an angel investor and today mm -hmm. where you're running a syndicate where you also we see what are the big differences and how has that evolution come about in you as a person? What do you... What were some of the earliest thing, earlier things that you looked into? You mentioned passion, that being one of the primary drivers. Uh, you looked at it before, you also look at it right now. But over the years, what are some of the things that have started to matter more to you 
than the earlier days when you were an angel investor hmm that's a very uh, question which i have to think about but you know uh, one of the things which i especially after this covid uh, kind of scenario i have i've tried uh, especially when crises happen right i i believe that you know this is a test of leadership to a large extent today you know there are a lot of uh, invest a lot of uh, founders who are not able to um you know uh, were not able to um, go to the next step you know because they haven't seen something like this right um <clears throat> so i find that this is the test of leadership in today's times and i i i have a lot of i met couple of uh, a couple of founders who i find are very positive despite the crisis right uh then they we can make out that they feel that there's an opportunity in the crisis right uh so uh i i find uh that if i had an opportunity to invest in any of them i would look at it very uh because maybe i'm moving away from a passion kind of approach to a leadership kind of approach where you know leadership is all about you know how do you how do you weather a crisis right i uh, i remember uh you know in the september 2001 i was in the thick of things in thick of new york around around those days and so many companies including my own company newer had a had a big problem to survive and there are a lot of things which you learned from that so i feel today um finding people who can see an opportunity in a crisis is something which i i will really look about i will look and i want to shy away from if possible to a large extent you know something this has worked in the us this has worked in europe this has worked in can we can we look at india centric problems right are we doing that right so those are leaders who can really look at like i feel company like udan for example right they are looking at india centric problems right I, I, can i can i because there are a lot of problems in india which uh which we need to address healthcare for example right uh so i think that the uh today if you look at india there are you know there are a, there are some startups who are purely focused on india so far it was even though it is focused in india but it was more of a something which has worked outside right many of them i wouldn't say every everybody so i am i am looking for those and i have seen couple of people who are doing that and i i'm very excited to be part of their journey that's wonderful and are you only looking at companies within india or you also looking at companies outside no i uh, that's a good question no i have i i because i have i have a us base right mm-hmm. there have been two three companies which i have i've looked in new york uh, uh, one was in the uh, cloud infrastructure space which we are still talking to uh the guy has just started and uh, you know he has a very good concept uh, he's working with a uh, with a researcher at uh, uh at the upen to develop something so i am looking at that so for me it doesn't matter mm-hmm. but i want to have an indian uh, indian kind of base you know where because for me you know india is still my uh, you know my biggest passion i want to see india grow in some way you know the ecosystem grows in uh, some way and i i think i give a lot of credit to the people who have made it happen you know i keep mentioning prashant subrato and others but there are a lot of people the the, the matrix uh, founders or the matrix uh, venture funds you know there are a lot of vcs who are coming to india and who are very positive about india and who are making a huge difference and i'm very excited to see that I love that. I love the fact that uh, you know new age new age in- investors and new age entrepreneurs are coming into the ecosystem that's really changing. You get the example of Udan with a very refreshing business model. Um right, right, right. Really set the tone for the ecosystem as such when you take a look at it mm-hmm. from uh, an India perspective and even globally, right? Now that model can so easily be replicated across the globe as well. So you need to have sustainable business models like that that can actually bring about an ecosystem sort of a change and we need and i i think businesses like that yeah so and i want to add one more thing to this is if you look at today's times right initially when you look at in fact you asked me about the covid time i i didn't think about it but you know the covid has helped us in many ways especially the india ecosystem right 
I don't know if you recently know, maybe you're in California. If you recently ordered from Swiggy or a Zomato, right? Technology has really quadrupled their uh, their service, right? Uh, in fact, I was talking to uh, Prashant at Axel the other day, and he was saying that Swiggy is really doing extremely well because they have introduced so many features in their technology. Today, if I make an order on Swiggy, I clearly know within 20 minutes I'll get it, right? right. Because they have used the opportunity to create more, uh, less people dependent and more technology focused approaches to doing things, right? Uh, Absolutely. India, India based B2B, right? Uh, and uh, and I, I see a, a huge opportunity where SaaS from India is emerging in a big way, right? Uh, the Freshworks, the Soho's of the world, and there are many other companies, right? Who are, who are really taking India to the next level. Um, and one thing which I always say is, COVID has created a unique opportunity for global investors in India. If you really look at it, China, I obviously was way ahead of times, right? They, they were, uh, they had a great thing, but today, most global investors are looking at India as an opportunity rather than China, right? Because India is more aligned with the global world. India is more aligned with the US and other, uh, uh, and Europe. So they're more acceptable about India. So COVID has really helped us in many ways, right? And also, if I may add, if you look at many of the VC firms in India today, take it, uh, Matrix Partners, Axel, Everybody has raised money pre-COVID, right? They're all sitting with a lot of capital, right? I would say three to $4 billion in capital. They have to deploy that, right? So each of them are looking at investing in SaaS-based global enterprise and those kind of stuff or D2C, Udan. So I think it's a huge opportunity today uh, for Indian-based VCs and angel investors uh, to, to, to help both India grow and themselves, uh, make money. Sure. Yeah. One thing which I forgot to add is, you know, when I say India centric problems, right. Uh, somebody was talking about an electricity exchange, right. Uh, electricity exchange marketplace, because in India today, there are some, some towns which have a lot of electricity, some they don't have. Right. So there is this interesting concept there. Can you pool the electricity and provide it to the people? For, to the towns which need it more, right? So there's a company which is coming up, which is doing an, or it has already come up, I don't know, but it's an electricity exchange or an electricity marketplace, right? Which is an India-centric problem to a large extent, right? So, mm -hmm. so I think that we are moving away from the copy kind of mentality to very original problems in India. And I think that is a huge positive for a country like India. And I'm very happy and lucky to be part of that. No, that's a great point that you made. Uh, I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. we're, we're heading to this very interesting sort of period, especially with mm -hmm. the pandemic this year and the next year is going to be the year of recovery. And we'll see right. many right. more industries emerge because of the Absolutely. fact that the industry is rapidly evolving across various sectors. Mm -hmm. So on that yeah. note, I actually want to head into my last segment, which is the uh, rapid fire, put you on the spot mm -hmm. and really get mm -hmm. some uh, quick answers from you, uh, especially on some of the stuff that you've done in the past and also some uh, things that might that might be very hypothetical, if that's okay. Okay, sure. Super. Now, you know, outside of your portfolio, what's the one company that you wish you're invested in and what impresses you the most about them? Yeah. In fact, uh, that's a good question. It was uh, Ola, uh, which was a company which I had an opportunity to look at. Uh, but I didn't think that would work. So I had an opportunity to invest in there, but I couldn't, I, I didn't think that this would, this could become big. Well, great. Uh, now, if you were to start all over again, what would you want to be? Would you want to be a founder or would you want to be a VC? I know I, I would like to be a founder, you know, um, uh, obviously because maybe that's in my DNA or that's where, uh, you know, uh, I've seen more of the world. I feel that uh, I enjoy being being in the trenches, as they say. That's that's fantastic. What's the one thing that frustrates you the most about being a venture capitalist? Yeah, I, I think I'll be very upfront with you because there are out of the 26 companies, at least five or six of them, maybe more, 
who once they got the angel fund initially they were very responsive we asked them for something they would give it but as they get more and more uh bigger vcs you know they don't think that you know they don't give you the same kind of responses which you would expect and you need to call them continuously to find out what's happening you know so i think that is something which uh, i think uh, which frustrates me a bit where you know being an angel uh, you know you are not as important to them as they grow mm-hmm. to a bigger uh to and i i think there's nothing wrong maybe i would do the same but that is a bit frustrating sometimes you know some of the bigger companies we have you know it takes a long time to get things from them because we need i need them for my taxes you know so many things because i have a dual taxation kind of thing so sometimes it just frustrates that founders forget their their roots but uh, you know uh, that that is something which i would think uh, uh, is something which the uh, entrepreneurs should should uh, always remember who are the people who really uh, invested in them and they were at their at their early earliest right got it what is your vision for indian vc in the next 2 to 5 years i think obviously you know for the vc system to be successful we need to have some exits which are real exits right mm-hmm. uh, if you really look at india's exit story right there has been a huge increase in valuation which is not real money right mm-hmm. uh you know and i find that there are two things which is happening people are investing in the future right in terms of market share and all that and there are some companies i don't agree with their valuation you know i've met some people who are a billion dollar enterprise but their revenues are hardly say 100 not even 100 million maybe 30 40 million right so i i find that that something which needs to get some correction as uh, as we uh, as we go along i think obviously if you ask me saas is going to be huge right where uh, you know we are addressing a global market not india as a market right uh, and uh, <clears throat> and companies and uh, companies were really looking at a long big problems in india to solve uh like i said to you about the electricity exchange kind of thing you know these are problems which we haven't found solution so are vcs willing to look at the really long term and take a huge bet on these kind of things from a early stage you know because as an angel some of these requires a lot of capital even from the beginning right some of the problems which people are you know a 25000 dollar check from me or anybody is not going to help them right mm-hmm. in fact i met somebody the other day Uh, he had a problem which is very india centric uh, you know to do with agriculture but he needs a lot of funding right he needs a lot of help in terms of regulations and those kind of stuff but and he would need off the bat he would need at least 2 to 3 million dollars to start that right i would think that uh, this is something which uh, india today i don't think is will be will be uh, open to investing whereas if i if i think about Uh, the silicon valley kind of enter, uh, area or silicon silicon valley i think they would have looked at those issues, those problems right so i think uh, that is where a challenge which i find in india and we we need to address that uh, that and how do we how does a vc help uh, from a regulatory perspective because india is very regulatory in many aspects right how can that uh using you know lobbying or whatever it is with the government how can we make uh you know vc investment more um easy and less in the tax regime kind of thing because i even as an angel investor i get lot of documents which i didn't have in the us being asked you know what is the money invested in this company you know so we need to do capital gains you know there's lot of regulations in india which need to be addressed you know they need to make it more vc friendly uh, or angel investment friendly which i think we are still a long way off i agree now i like some of the insights that you that you provided there and lastly i want to end uh, this podcast on this note now if you were to give any advice to young founders out there what would it be i i would think they should really see if it's a problem the problem they're solving is really a problem right is is uh, this problem something which 
which can which can be scaled a solution can be scaled for these problems right and how passionate are they about solving that problem right be it an agriculture be it, are they really there for the long run right uh, and uh, are they willing to stick it out right because there's a lot of hard work right and in fact i tell people that it's much easier to run a company in the us than run a company in india right, right? because there is so many regulations you know you need to go through you know either from the state government or the thing and i i think i'm not saying that it's right or wrong uh, but i think uh, if we need to attract more entrepreneurs in india and who who are willing to take the bet right one is more funding needs to be available more risk needs to be taken right there has to be more angel investors who are willing to put more money and i am willing to uh, stick my neck out and say yeah, i am willing to do that right mm-hmm. because for me i want to see uh, the india ecosystem survive because what does entrepreneurship helps is it creates a lot of jobs india today needs jobs right especially after the covid there's so many people out of jobs you know how can we create how can we uh, you know light light that fire to create more uh, more jobs and that can only happen with startups you know not with the geo is good what has happened with geo it has created a huge internet base you know 5g all that is good i think infrastructure is building but i think are we uh, as a nation of uh, as a nation creating startups more startups and creating more em- uh, employment and that is something which i wish more angels and uh, more seed stage funds can uh, look at got it now this is being great bank thank you so much for providing so many insights i had a blast learning and listening to all of these experiences that you have had and all the people that you met it really provides a lot of context to the kind of journey that you right. had and where new ventures is actually heading towards so uh, thanks again for being on the podcast it was an absolute pleasure and thanks a lot I appreciate thank it. you so much take care and that brings us to the end of this episode wenk is certainly someone who doesn't hold back and is very generous with his insights and thoughts i loved speaking to him and enjoyed all the little anecdotes he shared along the way which when you zoom out makes a lot of sense in the context of his journey from an entrepreneur to a vc today thank you again for being on the show wenk If you're like me and enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop me a rating review and also subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others discover the show and enables you not to miss out on the future episodes that we have lined up. Now before I leave you, I'd like to remind you to check out Burngal, a startup that's redefining home workouts, and Qblocks, a distributed computing company building affordable supercomputers for high-performance computing applications. I'd really appreciate it if you went and checked these companies out and showed them some love. I'll be back again with another great guest next week and until then, stay safe everybody, stay focused and continue to keep hustling.